1: Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, which has now become the preeminent guerrilla Steelers podcast in the nation. Nay, the world. You join me here in Houston, Texas, your host for the night, Nick Serena. And Houston, Texas is in a citywide blackout. Most of Texas has no power, no energy. It's about 19 degrees here, and there was about a quarter inch of snow that fell on the ground, and immediately Texas went into a free fall. So I just finished dinner by candlelight, Literally, this is is not an exaggeration. We got the candles going, had some tacos, cold tacos, needless to say, and now sitting down to do the Steelers Outpost podcast on my iPhone for the second consecutive week because there's so much news going on now. Something needs to be said. I need to talk about it. Now, that being the case, there's no power to plug the phone into. So this is legitimately a sting in the police situation. This is a message in a bottle to Steelers Nation. i got to make this quick. I'm going to make it dirty. And we're going to get everything done that we need to get done. Now, last week, we gave a little disclaimer that we are working on our off-season programming schedule. And that is still in progress. So for now, we're continuing with Pirate Radio. But... We have draft breakdowns coming up. We have special guests coming up, old familiar faces, working on getting some new people involved as well. But for now, let's just get to the big news of the day, which is that one of the greatest men to ever put on the black and gold has retired. He has ascended into glory. Maybe he'll ascend into the Hall of Fame. I'm, of course, talking about Marquise Pouncy. One of my personal top 10 favorite Steelers ever and Ben Roethlisberger's favorite Steeler ever, basically is what he said uh, in in a short comment about his retirement the other day. But uh, getting to the point here, Pouncey's retirement is huge because this was anticipated and this was an element of the... Off-season priority number one or number 1A, whatever you want to call it, which is the rebuilding of this line, which completely disintegrated over the end of the season. Not only the worst run game in the NFL but the worst run game in Pittsburgh since the 1960s. I mean, it can't be overstated how bad the run game was. The pass protection, yeah, it got praised for holding up and making sure Ben was one of the least sacked, if not the least sacked quarterback in the NFL this year, but it's kind of hard to sack a guy when you're throwing the ball incomplete in one second every single pass play. Of course, we've documented at length you know, the issues with the Steelers' predictable short passing game at the end of last year, but that's in the rear view now. Marquise Palaty also in the rear view. So we anticipated he could be retiring. Uh, this isn't uh, just because of the photos and video footage of him and Ben uh, staying on the field late after that Browns loss, you know, touching video. Like honestly, it was cool to see those guys have that moment as much as it hurt the fans to watch and as, and as hard as it is to watch because you see that the guys are truly broken up about this. And that's the great thing about football and the great thing about following a team. It's because, yeah, you love the colors, you love the logo, but you love the individual players. And we've watched Marquise Pouncey play every game for for 10 years or whatever it is, and Ben Roethlisberger for 16, 17. And you're seeing that these guys really care about each other and about the game that hurt them, that they went out that way. And Marquise Pouncey has always been that kind of guy for the Steelers. He's an emotional leader. He's... Basically, the always been the resident badass since, you know, since James Harrison left. The Steelers, the leader of the offense, multi-time captain, two-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro. So right there, it's a five-time All-Pro, and a nine-time Pro Bowler. Uh, we can talk about his legacy, I guess, uh, based off of those awards. The Pro Bowls, everybody mentions it. Yeah, it's basically irrelevant. Like, it's a popularity contest we should not be looking at people's pro bowls to determine their hall of fame candidacy candidacy because sometimes guys after they have a good start to their career they just continually get voted into the pro bowl based on their name particularly if they play a position that doesn't have obvious production statistics that go with it like quarterbacks and receivers and to be completely honest with you uh, a lot of people might categorize marquise pouncey as one of those guys because he's an offensive lineman, so obviously the average fan isn't looking at an offensive lineman the whole time. So once you you realize there's a couple famous names, okay, Pouncey, I know that name, Joe Thomas, I know that name. I'm gonna they're gonna vote him in every time, but honestly, a lot of that uh, maybe dip in dominance was due to the I think six or seven major surgeries that Pouncey had to have. He missed two entire seasons because of injuries and. Despite those injuries, he played through them was an utterly dominant center, particularly for the beginning of his career, but always reliable, always a major captain and uh, recognizable face throughout the NFL. Obviously helps when there is another good player in the NFL that has his exact same face. But nonetheless, Marquise was the greater of the two. Let's be honest. But the Steelers are going to miss him on the offensive line because, like I said, they already had so many questions going into this next season about offensive line, uh, they now don't even have a playable center on the roster. So that need shoots up in the draft uh, pretty much immediately, and it was already a need. i will get into some draft stuff a little bit later in the show, but... Yeah, it creates a gaping hole. Steelers could be without multiple starters from last year, multiple veteran presences, and you're going to have to have a lot of new guys there. As far as Marquise Pouncey's Hall of Fame candidacy candidacy goes, it's an interesting case because you could say he's like a Heinz Ward, like a legend of football, a famous Steeler, ring of honor for the Steelers without a question, first ballot ring of honor for the Steelers but maybe not so dominant enough to be in the Hall of Fame, like when you compare him to a guy like Alan Fanica, who we talked about last week as being just, you know, the All-Pros are even a bigger indication of their dominance. You saw the amount of All-Pros that Alan Fanica made, but it's not just about awards. It's about consistency and dominance, and you could see that the entire time there with Alan Fanica, whereas Pouncey had stretches where he wasn't really dominating people. Now, one thing going... In his favor is the NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame actually named him to the All-Decade team for the 2010s. And on the day of his retirement, they posted that Marquise Pouncey was retiring. And I don't follow their account or anything. I'm not sure how many guys they post, but I know that they're not saying every player that retires. And obviously, they think a lot of him to have him on the All-Decade team. So maybe he does have an inside leg there. Um, Although obviously not a first ballot kind of guy. I hope he makes it, but either way, it's an all time Steelers legend, one of my favorite players, uh, incredible relationship with Ben, and it's going, and the rest of his linemen, really. So it's going to be hard to see him go. To speak to those relationships, he actually let retired Steelers guard Ramon Foster announce the news. And when Ben put out a tweet, a little statement about it. He basically said, like, I just don't have the words to express this at the moment. Love you, man. Something along those lines to Pouncy. So he was the leader of that room. And uh, you do have to wonder if with Ben's best friends leaving, he he lost Vance already this offseason. Now he's losing Pouncey. Could very well be losing Villanueva. In all likelihood, a little bit more on that later, in all likelihood... He's going to be a losing villain away, but everything's disappearing around him. He lost his guy as offensive coordinator, Fiedner. You know, they promoted Fiedner because Ben wanted Fiedner up there. It, it does make it interesting because Ben was is actually meeting with the team this week regarding the salary and his claims that he doesn't care about the number, he doesn't care about what he makes this year. Uh, he's meeting with the Steelers, and ev- all of his actions the entire offseason, to me, they have always said, He's coming back. I think he's been pretty adamant about that. But you do have to wonder about uh, what this Pouncy decision does for him. It doesn't look like it swayed him. But if you just put yourself in Ben's position, like you got a brand-new offensive coordinator who wants to run the new 2020s offensive system, uh, highlighting a lot of things that are your exact weaknesses and not maybe not highlighting some of the great strengths you have. And then you've lost all your friends on the team. You've lost your center who... You've publicly proclaimed many times as your security blanket. You know, the other offensive signal caller with you. You lost your left tackle security blanket. And and let alone the guys that you've bonded with the most in the locker room, where now you're the oldest guy by quite, uh, almost 10 years, really. So that's a lot for Ben to lose in one offseason. But either way, Pouncey, all-time great stealer, continues the tradition after Mike Webster, Damani Dawson, of dominant, Pittsburgh Steeler centers, and uh, his legacy, well, it's permanent. He's a glorious man in the black and gold there. Black and gold's looking to acquire another glorious man, another legend of the game, and J.J. Watt. So J.J. Watt's a Steeler already, according to Vegas and according to Twitter. J.J. Uh, is going to complete the triumvirate of Watts. T.J., J.J., and who could forget Derek Watt, now you can have all three uh, if you had a lot more money in the salary cap, and if you did not have two of your, your, two of your best and definitely your two highest paid defensive players and Cam Hayward and Stefan Tuitt already playing the same position as J.J. Watt, yeah, it's not going to happen. I just don't see it happening. I don't think it's impossible for J.J. to come to Pittsburgh because uh, he, he does seem like the kind of guy who would go basically just to play with his brothers. They're really close. And, of course, if he's on the Steelers, like there's a way that you can make that work. If the cap wasn't such a problem, you can find a way to get to it, um, Cam, and T.J. on the field. Or, even better, you finally have the depth on the defensive line that great Super Bowl teams have and you could rotate them and, and JJ in his you know 10th 11th year in the NFL doesn't have to he only has to play 50% of the snaps or something and win a super bowl that way if that was the situation i could definitely see him coming to pittsburgh but the issue is the steelers are incredibly cap strapped that's a position of strength for them with Tuit and Hayward and they just have so many crying needs at other positions and yeah of course we'd love to take him but you have to worry about w- what's gonna happen in the receiver room after juju's gone even if, though you have a lot of guys with promise beneath him what the hell is gonna happen if you lose sutton and or hilton that cornerback position is a real big need and then of course we talked about the offensive line and everything along those uh areas if you will so i don't think he's coming into the steelers although that would be awesome the other thing that goes into that is there's so many other teams that are on the brink of, of maybe Super Bowl contention who are vying for his services. And so he has an option to go try and win a ring somewhere that can actually afford him where that situation makes a lot more sense. It would be different if, they, if there weren't teams like that knocking on his door. One of the big rumors that's come out recently is the Cleveland Browns. And I'm surprised that I didn't think of them as an awesome destination at first. Because they're they're really perfect. They have a good defensive line, but this would add that depth much in the situation, uh, like that I just outlined previously, where you'd have multiple great rushers uh, being able to sub in and not have to play the entire game. They have Miles Garrett there, of course. You know they're a deep defensive line. What's the guy's name? Mukanbawe. I'm probably butchering that guy's name, but it's the other dude who uh, Miles Garrett's buddy from the Mason Rudolph incident. But they also have seemingly no salary cap for the Cleveland Browns. They just sign high-priority free agents in droves every summer. But that seems like a better fit. Or maybe the Buffalo Bills, who have a real need at the position and are obviously on the brink of Super Bowl contention, made it to the AFC Championship game this year, have great coaching, great quarterback, young core, everybody under contract. Not everybody under contract, but... You know, the stars are under contract, that would make more sense for JJ, although it would be pretty sick if he completed the triangle, the real golden triangle. Permani brothers said that they would change their name to Watt brothers if JJ lands. So maybe disregard everything I just said and just leave with that one fact. I mean, that's a golden carrot if I've ever heard one. Permani brothers, Watt brothers, amazing. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret.
2: Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.
1: Transition? I'm thinking a way to transition brothers into talking about Zach Banner. I'm realizing it's probably not the move right now. But we have been talking a lot about veteran offensive linemen. We've been talking about, we started the show talking about the Steelers' crying offensive line needs. And Zach Banner has just intentionally or unintentionally provided us with a little bit more insight uh, into the Steelers' strategy of how they're going to handle this offensive line issue. Because Zach Banner had a quote where he said, Mike Tallman said something along the lines of, hey, you're my 2021 plan for left, left tackle. So you better concentrate on rehabbing your knee and on nothing else. So this isn't totally out of the question. Uh, we've talked about Banner being in the fold the entire year. I think the whole you know, Steelers nation would assume they'd be able to get him back on a one-year deal because he was a guy who came out of nowhere, actually won the starting spot, started the first game before he tore his ACL, was out for the year. You wouldn't think that he'd have a lot of other suitors. Steelers might be able to get him back on a one-year, really cheap deal or something like that. Maybe they would even roll the dice and sign him a multi-year deal. But he played right tackle when he was in there. So can you transition from right tackle to left tackle, the the all-important left tackle position, which protects your 40-year-old quarterback's blind side? Now, there's not as much distinction between left tackle and right tackle as there was back in the day, because a lot of the great edge rushers will flip around. You're going to have guys to worry about on either side, or actually a lot of the, the great edge rushers, like TJ, like to play against that right right tackle. So that comes with its own challenges, even though you're not watching the blind side of the quarterback. But, you know, there is something to it, playing that left tackle. There is always a little bit of extra juice there. Do I think it's impossible for Banner and Chooks to end up as really solid starting offensive tackles? No, I do not think it's impossible. But the difference is right now there are just so many question marks on the offensive line, whereas... In the Killer Bees heyday, when you had Prime Pouncy to Castro, Foster, Villanueva, and then whoever at right tackle, whether it was Gilbert or Beecham or uh, Filer, whoever it may be, they always seemed like they could slide guys in there and they would do fantastic. Look, uh, why am I going to say Ligursky? Uh Finney. I mean, Ligurski would be great as well if he were around. But Finney, BJ Finney, was phenomenal in his Steelers career. And maybe there are some of those guys, by the way, like Finney out out there, Beecham, some guys who might circle their way back to the Steelers. But getting back to the point about Banner and Chooks panning out as great tackles, they both have shown starting ability, but it would be much easier for them if they had some veteran guys uh, anchoring down the interior, particularly a veteran signal caller in in the center. And it just doesn't look like there's a great first-round center in the draft this year. Like, the Steelers might go center in the first round, but there aren't really any consensus first-round type guys who would be available to the Steelers at that point. But even if there was, like, you'd be relying on a rookie center to be calling those signals, and that's a tough job. So, how much success will Banner have? That's to be determined. But what this does tell us is the Steelers are performing their usual offseason maneuvering uh, by getting low cost veterans to fill starting spots, particularly on the offensive line, um, so that they're not completely trapped in the draft to having to take a left tackle. Like, they don't want to go into the season with somebody who's never started or or just not even played in the NFL yet uh, as a starter, even if they have a first-round guy, but especially if that's in question. So now you don't absolutely have to take a left tackle in the first round of the draft. Um, hopefully they would. I mean, the goal would be somebody is available there for them that could start. Uh, there's some guys being mocked to the Steelers late in that round. There's actually a lot of tackles available in the first round, but guys like Cosme... Sam Cosme from Texas, and then Leatherwood from Alabama had pretty terrible Senior Bowl performances by all reports. And remember, Senior Bowl isn't one game. It's a week of practices where they get to do one-on-one drills and team drills against the other best seniors in the country, uh, all in an even playing field, and plus the game. So that's a big way the Steelers have gotten players. Javon Hargrave was a star at Senior Bowl, just to, to name one of them. But it seems like some of those left tackles aren't guaranteed things either. And the last thing we want to see the Steelers do is reach in the first round, the way they did with Artie Burns. You know, the Steelers desperately needed a cornerback that year. And they really wanted William Jackson III from Houston. Problem is, Cincinnati scooped up William Jackson III one pick before the Steelers were picking. So instead of, you know, finding the best value at that spot, the Steelers said, well, we need a cornerback no matter what. Problem is, there were no true first-round graded cornerbacks at that spot. All there was was, like, the third-round graded Artie Burns. In some draft classes, there are just big drop-offs between classes. Like, you might have a great first-round crop of quarterback, maybe not quarterbacks, like, offensive centers, and then a terrible group in, in rounds two and three or whatever it is. And then sometimes you don't have a good first round of a position group and the rest of the draft is really deep. You know, Maybe you don't have that star at the top, but you have a lot of guys who are good. Well, it just seems like when the Steelers took Artie Burns they, they way overreached and we saw what happened. Even when they took Terrell Edmonds they did that. Now Terrell Edmonds is panning out a lot better than Artie Burns but we know he's benefiting from Minka Fitzpatrick and, and we know also, I mean not just from Minka Fitzpatrick, he's benefiting from being on a good, really good defense, but even though he's not a star, Terrell Admins has been a solid player for the Steelers, particularly over the last year uh, where he's slowly increased his play. Um, and to be fair, Artie Burns had nothing really helping him around him. So a, a lot more pressure fell on the guy. So there's different situations. But either way, both guys were considered second, more likely third-round prospects, and the Steelers took them in the first round. So that just seems like a, an unwise allocation of resources. And that's why the Steelers are shoring up these tackle spots so that you don't absolutely have to take a tackle if that guy isn't um, you know, really worth that pick in the draft. So that means Steelers Twitter draft favorite Alabama running back Najee, Har- Najee Harris, a.k.a. Le'Veon Bell number two, He might actually be in the cards. I would not be surprised if they took Najee Harris, who would be a great value at that point in the draft. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they took him and then went offensive line in the second. Um, But that's basically where that banner thing leads me to. We have plenty of time to talk about the draft, so we'll get to that. But I do think it's interesting that a running back could be in play because I've said on this podcast before – Excuse me, let me move my phone back over to the spot. I've said on this podcast before, you don't want to take a first-round running back unless you're a team that is on the brink in, of the Super Bowl. And all they need is like a playmaker at the running back. Like the Bills should take a running back. I mean, they have other needs, but that could take them to another level. Uh, the the Chiefs doing it last year was a good move. I and mean, he was great in the Super Bowl, even though he didn't become the star everyone thought he would be. But I do think if the if the it's a crying it's new for the Steelers, I do think, running back is. And if they could get him and then snag some more linemen in a deeper second and third round class, that'd be a good move for them. So that kind of bucks my theory a little bit of not drafting running backs in the first round. But the only reason why I mention that is because he's constantly talked about on Steelers Twitter by fans because... Of course, it's easy to watch his highlights. He's a running back, and it's easy to get excited about him because he's an insanely good playmaker and will be and also matches all of the Steelers' measurables. Like I said, Le'Veon Bell number two. They're both this, they're like 6'2, 238, not long-distance runners, but will eat you alive with 10-yard runs, five-yard runs. He doesn't have the same jukes and the same jump cuts that Le'Veon has, you know, that unique running style that Le'Veon had, or the shakes. But he does show it every once in a while. So you could see that that's maybe an element of his game that will get improved in the NFL, just like it was for Le'Veon. Le'Veon was a little bit more of a plotter in college, and then he got the agility after he shed those, like, 20 pounds again on the Steelers. Uh, but also Najee Harris is a patient runner, and he always falls forward. He's such a strong runner. So it's just fun to talk about this stuff. I probably should have waited to give you the scouting report later, but we'll watch him more in depth as the offseason goes along here. Um, Last thing really to mention is, uh, I guess there's two things. But there's some coaching hires. Like today, Steelers hired uh, secondary coach Grady Brown. Listen, there's not much to report here on these assistant coach hirings. There hasn't been a major overhaul to Pittsburgh. They didn't bring in a a coordinator, an offensive or defensive coordinator from another team. They once again promoted from within with Matt Canada and now they're replacing a a high number of assistant coaches so it's not like they're doing nothing or being totally complacent but once again their moves aren't earth shattering that they're replacing these guys and that's you know that defensive back position defensive back coach position has been rotating uh, quite a bit here in this section of the Tomlin tenure so it's something to watch out for I don't, wouldn't necessarily, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to feel confident about it, the way that they've hired recently. Last thing I'll say is Juju Smith-Schuster is almost certainly out the door for the Steelers because same way we talked about the J.J. Watt situation, the Steelers have tremendous depth and potential at the receiver spot. Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool seemingly have even a higher ceiling than Juju does. They see they have flashes of being true NFL superstar type guys. Although Juju is is pretty damn close to that, and when you see his average depth of the target was like five point five yards compared to thirty seven year old Larry Fitzgerald at six yards. We all saw the season. We talked about this enough, right? They're sending the guy in short routes. They finally uh, sent him on intermediate routes in a few games, and he absolutely tears it up. Is he Antonio Brown, where he's just going to make the unbelievable one-on-one catches and um, in, in different spots all over the field? No, but he's going to eat you alive on those crossers. He can make one-on-one catches downfield. He scores a lot of touchdowns, and then he's incredible after the catch. I mean, he's such a strong runner. He's like a Heinz Ward, but he'll stiff on people into the ground. So... He, I feel like he is underappreciated as a star receiver. He's never going to be a top 10 guy, but he's in that 10 to 20 uh, very consistently. Not to mention, he is by a mile the most reliable receiver the Steelers have. I think he had a 3% drop rate this year, whereas uh, Deontay Johnson had about an 11 or 14 or something like that. Chase Claypool, I think, was at 6, actually, so he's a little better, about 7. But Juju is a smart player. He's a tough player. He gives the Steelers an edge. He is Heinz Ward. He knocks people out. And by the way, the fact that he dances and and sometimes shoots himself in the foot. Yep, I totally acknowledge Steelers fans who have that opinion of him. They don't like that aspect of his his game. Sure, I, I mean, I don't think that it's executed to perfection by him and he can improve with some of that stuff. But I also think that it sucks when the Steelers are losing. But when they're winning and he's doing that, that is... Dirt in the eye, like that is prime crap talk. You are being a pest to other teams, in the way that Heinz Ward was a pest to the other team. So I actually think he gives the Steelers a lot of attitude. And when you're missing Marquise Pouncey, the the main guy who gives you the attitude on offense, it'll be hard to lose Juju as well. Um, I went on that soliloquy for, well, no reason, but it is to say that. It's almost sure that he's going to be gone because, like I said, there's other positions with crying needs, whereas Deontay, Claypool, and Washington are proven that they're good NFL receivers. Now, you'd have to find a slot receiver, and I know those guys play the slot, but it just seems like the Steelers have no money, and Juju's going to be one of those big-money casualties because there's other teams like the Jets and the Raiders who are rumored to really like him who are going to pay him more money than the Steelers could offer However, he's made some comments in interviews this week that I felt went above and beyond the normal obligatory team positive statements a, an unrestricted free agent makes in, in, in the interest of, you know, uh, keeping his current team interested in, in offering him a big deal, right? You want to be polite to your own team so that they might pay you the big deal that you're looking for But this seemed like it went above and beyond. He basically said, I know that people, uh, that it's easy to think that the grass is always greener when you're on a certain football team. But I've talked to a lot of former teammates, a lot of friends of mine who used to be in Pittsburgh, who left Pittsburgh and have told me the grass isn't greener in other places, that hasn't worked out for them. And he said, I actually like the grass that I'm standing on right now, I I wanna stay a Steeler. He's made frequent mentions of that. Then there was a post, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I know this seems uh, like a left turn, but it's not. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, former star Texans receiver, now Cardinals receiver. He made a post uh, trying to lure J.J. Watt over to Arizona by saying, like, let's finish what we started, brother. And um, Juju comments on the picture and says, come play with your brothers, LOL. Something like that, like recruiting him to come play in pittsburgh when juju's technically not in pittsburgh right now he doesn't have a contract and so there's a couple there's a couple different ways you can interpret this you could be saying juju's just so good with playing his brand that he's saying the uh, saying tons of pittsburgh positive uh comments because he wants to keep the fan base that he's built while in pittsburgh like this is sort of a negative way to look at it but Of course it's a possibility. He could just be saying these things about Pittsburgh knowing that he's going to leave just because he doesn't want to leave on bad terms and because he's built so many fans that he doesn't want to lose these people because we know the brand thing's important to him. But I actually view it as some potential that Juju could return. Would it be the wisest move for the Steelers to make? I don't know. I mean, I also think that they're going to trend towards wanting to keep the defense together, the young defense, prioritize Hilton and or Sutton to pair with Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, Devin Bush, Stephon Tuitt, guys who could still be around for a little while longer. But they don't like to let these kind of guys go. Remember, they did offer Le'Veon Bell a huge contract before he hit free agency, even though that could be considered an unwise move at the time because they needed money elsewhere. And maybe LeVeon Bell was coming closer to the downslope. But it's just something interesting to monitor for the future. So that's it, probably for my phone battery and uh, any flashlight as I know it. was the like because I got two subjects in this Steelers world. But hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Hopefully, we'll be back with power and real microphones soon. We're working on that off schedule. Bigger and better things coming in the future. Thanks for listening. Go, Steelers.